Rocky Horror Minute is rated R. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is also rated R. We're going to spend this time discussing the movie in gory detail. And along the road, we will talk about some adult content and use some of our favorite swear words. Tom Tom! Stepmom! Pom Pom? Consider yourselves warned. Welcome to Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we discuss the Rocky Horror Picture Show in excruciating detail one minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm your other host, Leandra. And today we're joined by a very special guest once again. We've got Brad Monroe cruising in for minute 69. How you doing, Brad? Nice. nice. Yeah. It's been so long since we've last talked. It's true. Even though Brad and I live together, he refuses to speak to me in between recordings. <laughs> So. This is the only interaction Kelly can get. Yeah, that's true. Well, I was about to say it's because his mouth is always full. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because it's true. This is where I get my dick sucked, my ass eaten out, and my balls tugged on. <laughs> one by one. One, one by, by one. one. Oh, man. I don't even think it's been two episodes <laughs> since we last referenced Hard Rock Nick, but it's always a good time to reference him and his titties slapping flies water. <laughs> Leandra, does anything f- awesome like that happen in this minute? Like a titty slapping fly swatter? Close. Yeah, this is how, this is where, <laughs> this is what I used to spank your tits. That's what he said when he showed the fly swatter. Oh my god. Yeah. I've, I had forgotten about that. I'm so happy that I'm remembering this now. Yeah. So minute 69, though. Yeah. In this minute, not a lot of 69 happens. So if you're listening... I want my money back. Yeah, if you're listening to this free podcast for discussion of 69 in this film, I think you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. But in this minute, we continue... On with this bop of a song that Kelly loves. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Scott says, Ride! And then Brad and Janet and Riff and Magenta, but aggressively not Frank, join Dr. Scott in singing, When Eddie said he didn't like his teddy, you knew he was a no good kid, but when he threatened your life with a switchblade knife, Frank Inverter says, What a guy. Janet says, Makes you cry. Dr. Scott says, "Unt I did. And then Columbia, who, if you recall, is no longer at the table. She's got something to say about this. So she's going <laughs> to sing it. She's in her bedroom crying. She says, everybody shoved him. I very nearly loved him. I said, hey, listen to me. Stay sane inside insanity. But he locked the door and threw away the key. We go back to the dinner table where Dr. Scott says, but he must have been drawn into something, making him mourn me in a note which reads. And everyone but Frank and Dr. Scott says, what's it say? What's it say? We see a note and it looks like it is written in blood. And Eddie has a voiceover of the words on that page. The note says, I'm out of my head. Oh, hurry, or I may be dead. They mustn't carry out their evil deeds. And Eddie screams, and we hear people start to sing when Eddie said. And that's what this minute's all about. And what a minute it was. 
it does a lot of traveling through the narrative faster than other minutes, but still yeah. not a lot happens. We did we get some good exposition. I have a couple of cool things to note about this, but really there's not a lot more that I want to throw out there that we haven't already said about either Columbia's bedroom or the dinner table. Well, I have a really interesting thing I learned from the commentary about Columbia's bedroom. Oh, really? Do yeah. tell. So Columbia's cot that she throws herself down on uh, and that we've already discussed in the movie, did you know that that was from the film Baby Doll? No, that is insane. That's I so know. Cool. Patricia Quinn called that out when we saw it, and she was really excited. She's like, oh, that's from Baby Doll. I love that. I love Baby Doll. So Baby Doll, if you don't know everyone, is a 1956 film based on a Tennessee Williams play of the same name. And it's basically about, like, a cotton gin owner who is married to a young woman, like, whose father arranged the marriage as, like, a marriage of convenience because, you know, because the man was wealthy. And um, his rival cotton gin owner is trying to seduce his young wife. Really, uh, really interesting and really fun that, I mean, the... The cot isn't just a background thing, it's like on the movie poster. So I'll probably use that as our social media pick, but yeah, kind of neat. That is super cool. I, I'm i a little sad that it's the same minute as this drag king icon that I'm about to talk about because I think that that would have been a cool social media thing too. Oh, but, well, we can do both. Oh, we can do both. That's right, because yeah. social media does that. Yeah. The thing that I wanted to throw out there was on Columbia's dresser right at the beginning of her solo, in addition to the Wygo Typhoon 500 hairdryer, is a signed picture of Hetty King, who was a music hall male impersonator from the late Victorian era. I did some digging into her life, and it was, like, super interesting. She was born on April 4th, 1883, and her non-stage name is Winifred Ims. She started on stage when she was six in her dad's traveling comedy troupe, but as an adult, she got a lot of success with her solo act playing a swell, which is a subset of Dandy, who is like extremely vain and into personal grooming and, and acting rich in the way that they talk and the sorts of kind of leisurely hobbies they do. And doing this on stage was a popular act that was called Lion Comique, which was really just taking that dandy thing and doing a an even bigger parody of it. Hetty King was the highest paid music hall performer in the world for a time. And I think that it's wild that Drag King was was a form of art that was pretty well liked for quite some time. And now being a drag king isn't nearly as appreciated, I guess is a, a good way of putting it, as being a drag queen, at least 
in my understanding of the drag community, I think that it's getting better with with like the Boulay brothers and Dragula. Yeah, and I I I'm also not in the drag community, but I've heard that from pretty much everyone I know who is involved. Uh, I know that Flap and Fawn, who do the Flapping and Fawning podcast we were on recently, they've both expressed that there's a lot of discrimination against kings and stuff among amongst you know people just don't consider it as respectable as drag queens basically and one of the things that hetty was best known for was just doing a lot of research and looking at how men walked and how they carried things like uh, she even went overseas and did a bunch of like not USO because she was British, but like USO style things for the British troops in both world wars, where uh, she would dress up like a sailor or a soldier and sing. And she has a couple of songs that that have survived that you can listen to, and it's super cool. But she uh, she would do a lot of work to make sure that she was like saluting correctly and and throwing her rucksack on with enough weight so that it looked accurate it was it was really interesting to uh, to read that and in 1971 she did this really sassy interview uh, where she was talking about how awesome she was and that came out a little bit after a a movie of her life it was in 1970 it was called Hetty King Performer and my guess is that these things led to a resurgence of her popularity and brought her back to Brian Thompson's memory and that's why there's this there's this wonderful picture of her in full drag on Columbia's dresser she died in 1972, but uh, just that in, her entire life was just being the best drag king that anybody's ever seen. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I, I love that you noticed that, Leandra. I just um, never would have even realized that there was a drag king referenced in the movie. That is a real a real Rocky Horror trivia stumper. <laughs> I really um. I just overall love the set design of Columbia's boudoir. Um, just the amount of shit that's piled up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's in like an aesthetic way. It's that kind of messy that looks really comfortable to be around, which is never the kind of messy I have at my house. That's not true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, that, that we, and I said the same thing when we originally talked about Columbia's bedroom. It's so realistic. Like, it, I would believe this is what Columbia's bedroom would look like. And in this bit, you also get to see the, the little marionette or doll that we were kind of questioning whether or not it was what it was when uh, when we first saw the bedroom that was hanging up on the on the lamp it looks like it's a punch and judy sort of thing yeah i couldn't really make out what it was but it it definitely looks i can definitely see that that uh take on it i want to talk about eddie's note oh yeah he can't spell. well he can't spell which i thought was a fun detail but 
it's the more I think about it, the more confusing it is. So what was the evil deed? Like, is he against um, the raising of the, oh, well. I think the evil deed is killing Eddie. Well, and, and creating the, but I mean, so if he knew that, why wouldn't he just not go there? Or did he send the letter from Frank's castle? I'm assuming he sent it from, because um, that's, I'm assuming why Scott has the address, right? Or like, you know, assume, presuming there's directions or something on how to get there, which is why he Maybe. knew where the castle I mean... was. Uh, so, with it being written in blood, it made me think that like he either sent it before or after he was lobotomized like, for how? Rocky. Eddie's the delivery boy. I don't know exactly when he would have written the note, but I do know that he showed up with brass knuckles, like he was going to fight Frank so maybe he sent the note and then came in for whatever reason he didn't have a pen and he did have a <laughs> he did have a a stamp so he did he did send it via mail <laughs> yeah now, here's a plausible theory that I came up with, maybe. Go on. Columbia, Columbia would have to be the one who warned him about this, right? Sure. Or else who would have told him? And so maybe if Columbia warned him, she also was willing to pass a message along. But not, like, set him free? I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, if she set him, set him free, how is she going to get that D? Yeah, well, I mean, she prefers Frankenfurter anyway, as we learned. She, you know, she prefers Frankenfurter to Meatloaf, I guess. But she's getting a hot dog either way, am I right? <laughs> I have one, one word that could absolutely change our understanding of how this note got to where it got. And that word is pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> he has a carrier pigeon. That he... <laughs> yeah. Nothing so uh, so awesome as a motorcyclist with a uh, with a carrier pigeon. It does seem like I don't know. I would be concerned if my delivery boy was using pigeon for his deliveries, but. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he delivers he delivers packages. Oh, I oh I've heard he does, but yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so what's the storyline with Eddie? Was he a delivery boy that Frankfurter Frankenfurter just captured and then held captive, and then he wrote this message in blood in between, I guess, fucking Columbia and having a gigantic poster of himself printed for her room. <laughs> have we have we on this podcast talked about what he is a delivery boy of yet? Maybe, but I don't recall. It's drugs. He's a drug dealer. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. I literally was picturing him like delivering pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> honest living. Nah, he he's delivering heroin. That makes more sense, and definitely makes more sense for Frankenfurter. Great stuff. Do you guys have anything else? And I'm kind of struggling here a little bit. I I got I got callbacks. Oh, I kind of have callbacks too. But Brad, uh, you're the guest. I'm really drawing a blank here. All right. Well. Uh, that's fair. All I've got is, so, when he says he must have been drawn, this is another one of those callbacks that they do after everything Dr. Scott says in the song. Not painted, but drawn. And then when he says, into Sompshank, uh, people will say, like, what's oh, a Sompshank? Or whatever. Um, that's okay. part of the reading, or saying stuff after Dr. Scott, when he's reading the note... And he says, oh, yeah. I'm out of my head, people will say, spelled H-E-D. Oh, hurry, or I may be dead, spelled D-E-D is what the audience, or D-E-A-D is what the audience, or audience says. Um, yeah, or sometimes they'll just say spelled right, because it's a little ch choppier, but yeah, same thing. Uh, yeah. And after after that little bit, you can go... Hooked on phonics really worked for me, which I think is fun. Is is that a jingle they used to have? No, but you sing it along to. Okay. Oh, got it. Sorry, I got there. Yeah, but hooked on phonics really worked for me is the is the slogan. Okay. By the time I was seeing hooked on phonics commercials, I don't think they were using that, but I definitely remember hooked on phonics. Um, going back, they're actually. Some fun ones and some stupid ones for this minute, as per usual. A a randomly anti-Semitic one is when Eddie said he circumcised his teddy, you knew he was a Jewish kid. I hear this one a lot, and I'm like, yeah. why? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily... It's like... It's not... I mean, I... It, it's anti-Semitic to, like, bring it up for no reason. Yeah, that... You know what I mean? Like, I don't find the... I don't find the earlier one where he's saying, my dick is stuck, my dick is stuck, and then Mazel Tov, it's a boy. I don't find that particularly anti-Semitic. But this one... This one feels like it is because yeah. nobody's talking about this. Nobody's like, hey, talk to me yeah. about, about his opinion on male circumcision or, or his religious beliefs. Like, there's nothing nothing that brings that up and yeah past that there there are some kind of fun ones uh you can go but when he threatened your life with a cock this size oh my god what a rod stick it in that that's a fun one yeah i never heard that i like that and then during columbia's bit it's everybody sucked him i very nearly fucked him I said, hey, slip into me, and then I ordered wallet size, not wall size, is another one that you can say at that point. <laughs> that, and going back into uh, singing along with Columbia, stay hard inside my cavity instead of stay sane inside insanity. And then, but he pulled it out and came all over me is the end of that 
And then the the only other one is they mustn't smoke up all my evil weed. It's really stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want evil. All weed. of it's evil if you are a sinner, I guess. Frank, I don't know. Frank smoking that nefarious pack. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> well, I guess you don't you have to go home, home but, but you can't stay, stay here. here. So get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. To the late night double feature picture He's like, I've got one sausage pizza for you right here. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> he cuts a, Minute 69, cuts, Brad comes into his own. That's a whole. Oh, he's going to come into his own. Into his own mouth later. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Is what I say to that. Oh, is that the bridge too far? <laughs> that's, the, that's the line that you shan't be crossing. <sighs> really, Brad? I just politely said no, thank you. He doesn't think he can get the arc. I mean, you could use a cup. Well, then he wouldn't be coming into his own mouth. As Kelly discussed, um, it's only good from the tap. Yeah, I, I really, I will go on record saying I only like to drink cum straight from the tap if possible. I'm not going to drink a glass of it. If possible. Well, okay, I'm not above licking it off of someone, but I'm Kelly's not... Like, you're yeah. like, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to get my... I'm going to hit my protein goals one way or another, but I would prefer to... I would prefer not... I, one thing I absolutely can't stomach the idea of doing is, like, drinking cum... So when we're at a restaurant, maybe BJ's, for instance, because that uh, that's one that has a lot of drinks on tap. When you go, I would like the jizz, but only if it's on tap. And then they go, we only have it bottled. You go, mm, what else yeah, do you have? Exactly. I'm like, yeah, because I, I like there to be a little bit of a head on it, too, you know? Like it, like it nice and frothy. Yeah. Man... Do we need to have a content warning? <laughs> we have one. That's the greatest thing.